Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and whatever you know holiday you celebrate this time of year. Happy holidays to you all, and uh, what a great holiday it was today! Great Christmas it was for the Packers and the Bucks, both picking up wins here on Christmas Day. And this is a special Christmas Day uh, episode edition of Talking Sports with Evan. And I'm here to talk some Packers and Browns. Tight 24-22 win by the Packers. And lots to go over, lots to digest, lots to talk about, lots of potential concerns lurking as well. Um, But before I do jump into that, quickly, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Kind of becoming a common theme here now as the uh, you, you are starting to see it become a tradition. Third year in a row. Um, for, is it fourth year in a row? Third year, uh, third, uh, third year in a row that we see Bucks on Christmas Day and the Bucks get the victory 117 to 113 over the Boston Celtics. And, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, it's great seeing the win. Giannis back. Um, Dante DiVincenzo back for his first action of the season. And also you have uh, Bobby Portis coming back too, all from the COVID protocols for Dante. Initially, he was supposed to come back from the foot issue, and then he got put on the COVID-19 health and safety protocols for the NBA. So, you know, it's great to see um, Dante back. Great to see Bobby back. Great to see um, Giannis back. And it was a, it was a rough game to start. The uh, Bucks down by double digits for a good chunk of the game, but when it mattered most in the third and fourth quarter, they came out and uh, got the job done. And it looked ugly to start the fourth, as the the looked like the Celtics after the Bucks came, cut it really close um, after three um, single digits down to a couple point lead. The Celtics jumped out back to double digits and it looked like it was not going to be a, a Merry Christmas for the Bucks. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, who last year and the and the year before, a lot of you know talking heads in the NBA media likes to discuss and talk about how he's not a finisher and he can't take over a game. Well he definitely can't finish and he definitely can't take over a game. Um Saw a tweet earlier. I just got to find it really quick. Saw a tweet earlier um, from Rabid Buck fan, and I recommend following him if you don't already, um, Nathan. And so a lot of Packer tweets during the game. But with 530 remaining, the Bucks were trailed 109 to 96. And he was here was the next um, few possessions, next eight possessions by the by the Bucks. Giannis dunk, Giannis dunk, Giannis assist on a Matthews three, Giannis jumper, a hill miss thrown in there, Giannis free throw, Giannis dunk, Giannis and one, and to add that in, a clutch block as well. You know, Wes Matthews with a a huge three to give the Bucks their first lead of the game, and then Giannis from the three free throw line, um, and Middleton, uh, I should say Middleton from the free throw line, finishes his uh the game. So get used to seeing the Bucks on Christmas Day. As long as Giannis is in Milwaukee, the NBA is going to be pushing for the um going to be pushing hardcore for the Bucks to be playing on Christmas. And I think yeah, second year in a row we get um a home game for the Bucks. Last year it wasn't quite the same with not a lot of fans allowed in. 
but it was a packed house on Christmas Day at Pfizer Forum, and Bucks get the win. And like I said, get used to it. It's going to be happening many more years to come as long as Giannis and company are here in Milwaukee. And, you know, you look at the Bucks record overall, 22 and 13, and I know people are going to complain. Um, I've, I've heard people complain about this team and whatnot, but at the end of the day, um, if this team was healthy all season long, if this Bucks team was healthy all season long, they would be up there with the Suns and Golden State for top records in the NBA. The only thing holding the Bucks back from having the same record or similar record to Phoenix and Golden State is the lack of uh, Giannis with co- the COVID-19 protocols, Chris Middleton missing time uh, with uh, with some issues, Drew Holiday missing time with injury, Brooke Lopez hasn't played since week one, Bobby Portis has missed some time, Dante just came back. Uh, this is a team that's had a ton of injuries in Milwaukee, and if healthy, I don't see too many teams, especially in the East, being able to knock out the Bucks. So if you have any comments you like to share about the Bucks before I jump over to the Packers, you can go ahead and comment for those that are watching uh, the show live. I appreciate you guys spending some time on your your Christmas here to watch it live. Uh, feel free to to comment your thoughts on the Bucks victory. Um, coming back down from double digits to get this victory. They own the fourth quarter and got the and got this win. So with that, going to jump over to Packers and Browns. And uh, the inactives came out. And as soon as I saw the inactives, there was one inactive to me that was extremely head-scratching. And it came out being a key factor in this game. And that was uh, Kingsley Kiki being inactive during the game. I, I don't understand not having Kiki active. The Browns ended up running, rushing for 25, uh, 25 carries for 219 yards on the ground. Nick Chubb is the first running back this season to get 100 yards on the ground for Green Bay. 17 carries for 126, seven, uh, almost seven and a half yards per carry. And Dearness Johnson, uh, he was uh, big on the ground too. Four carries for 58 yards and 14 and a half yards per carry. And I, I, I don't, I don't get why you, you sit Kiki down, who has been a key p- component of your run defense most of this year when he's been healthy. I don't get why you sit him down against a team that's very physical on the line of scrimmage and loves to run the ball. I get maybe you want to get Jake Hef- Heffin, uh, Heffern some chance t- uh, to play, but I don't remember seeing him in the game at all. Uh, maybe and maybe something happened last minute with Kiki that um, hasn't been announced yet, and why they didn't play him. But as as far as I know, Kiki's a healthy scratch, and I don't get why you you sit him with a team like the Cleveland Browns. That baffled me as soon as I saw the injury report come out. I'm sorry, the inactives come out. I I was confused, but nonetheless, they went on without him and. I always say, I say it too much. I said it last week. I said it Monday when I did my show. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Just did a recorded version that a win is a win. 
and you never apologize for a win. And I seem like I've been saying that too often lately. Yes, the Packers won, but there are a number of concerns coming out of this game. And I want to know what your biggest concerns are for those there's watching live. What were your biggest concerns? What are your biggest concerns coming out of this Packer 24 to 22 victory? I'm worried about the front seven. Campbell, another strong performance. Um, Chris Barnes had a pretty good performance, but Sam, uh, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, your edge guys are not protecting the edge in the running game. They're getting sucked too far inside, and the, the Browns are able to get outside pretty easy. The Browns are a team that loves pulling and a lot of movement up front when they do run, and you got to secure the edge. You have to secure the edge, but I saw too many times today um, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary crashing too far in, allowing the back to get outside, and that was a big concern, and Baker Mayfield's uh, – uh, run, same thing happened. The edge got sucked in. Um, the big run that Johnson had, uh, he had a long of 30. On that 30-yard run, Rashawn Gary crashes inside, uh, gets sealed off, and Johnson has a wide-open lane to run the ball for that 30-yard gain. Something the Packers hadn't haven't really done all season long getting situations like that. The, the edge play has been one of the strongest play uh, positions of this defense, but they, they struggled and they struggled the last two weeks now on the edge to securing the edge on the ground game and getting pressure off the edge. And I know you're thinking I'm crazy probably because Preston Smith had, had two sacks or Rashawn Gary had two sacks and Preston Smith had a sack how can you complain about the edge play? Well, there's more to playing the edge than getting sacks. There's disrupting the quarterback's timing, keeping him in the pocket. If he's a runner last week, they didn't do a good job. Um, forcing your running game inside. Um, so your middle linebackers and your Kenny Clarks and your Dean Lowry's can eat, but they kept giving up that outside too much and not securing that by getting sucked too far inside far too often. That's concerning to me because you're going to have a team like San Francisco potentially in the playoffs that are watching this film and they're drooling, licking their chops. Because remember NFC title game two years ago, the edge play for Green Bay after playing strong the whole season long was awful. And San Francisco threw the ball eight times in that game and they won and completely blew, uh, blew the Packers out. And they, they were attacking Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. That's who San Francisco was attacking in San Francisco in that NFC title game. The Vikings, they're more of a zone team. Um, they're more of a if Cook can play. You know, Cook le- reading his gaps, sucking the defense in, and then making that cutback. So it's not... I'm not as worried against a team like Minnesota, but I'm worried when you're playing more of a power running team like the 49ers. Um, I'm more worried when you play those guys um, than I am, you know, playing guys like Minnesota because the 49ers are going to have Mayfield, uh, not Mayfield, Garoppolo throw the ball maybe three, four times and force you to stop the run. 
Ayuk has been running the ball extremely well. It was a no-name running back two years ago that ran for over 200 against Green Bay. So that's why that's concerning for me. You know, Kenny Clark first came back, wasn't as active as I'm used to seeing Kenny Clark be. But he he missed last week due to COVID, um, being on the COVID list, tested positive. Who knows how much conditioning work he was able to get in being stuck at home um, this past week. Who knows uh, what kind of conditioning he was able to get in. Um, who knows? I don't know if he was symptomatic or asymptomatic or what it was, but you see, you've seen when guys first come back after being out, they're a little rusty coming back on the field because a lot of times they're coming back on the field after not practicing all week. We saw that with Rodgers in Seattle, Devontae in Kansas City, and Kenny Clark here today. You know, Kenny Clark ended the day with four tackles, three solo. Uh, but he wasn't getting he was not he was not getting the pressures he normally get. And I'm guessing his snap count, I don't have that in front of me, but I'm guessing the snap count for Clark was down a little bit. But the guys up front need to play better. You're going into an NFC, as I mentioned, with San Francisco. Dallas is a team that likes to run the ball sometimes, um, but I'm sure they'll run the ball a lot more um, if they're playing Green Bay with the way the the front seven, uh, especially the edge position, played for them. Um, you gotta you gotta shore that up. And that to me is where the defense is struggling the most. The Ravens had a lot of success running the ball on Green Bay, and now the Browns do. And the other issue I have defensively is I like Savage. I think Savage is a fine player, but he got totally torn up by the tight end Andrews from Cleveland a week ago. And this week, he, he's whiffing on too many tackles. He had one where he was squaring up to make the tackle, and he ended up taking out the uh, blocker, and they caught a flag on him, which I don't think it was a flag, but they threw it and cost him 15. He whiffed on Shubb on another outside run where he had a chance to make the tackle, and he just missed him. And that that is an issue, and it's not even just Savage. All season long, one of the Packers' strengths, and we've heard talked about time and time again, is the Packers are tackling better. They are a better tackling team this year. They're getting the ball carriers down. They're not allowing, um, they're not allowing the big plays down the field. Um, they're not giving up big plays, and that's really shown up a lot these last couple weeks. And tackling needs to be better much, much better if they're going to advance in the playoffs. There was some nice open field tackling today by Chris Barnes, especially um, on one play where he stopped the the runner short and Campbell, nice open field on Chubb. Um, But overall, tackling needs to get better. And we're starting to see miscommunication on the defense. Last week, they got stuck with 10 men on the field against the Ravens on their touchdown. Um, This week, you saw... The play right before Cleveland's second touchdown, um, it was the pass, I want to say, to Higgins. Um, yeah, the pass to Rashad Higgins uh, that set up the, the second touchdown for the of, of the Browns for the day. You had Douglas and I forget who the other player was off the top of my head. I think it was Sullivan. Yeah, you had Douglas and Sullivan. They covered the same guy. They both went to the same zone 
and both covered, I want to say it was Hooper, leaving Higgins wide open, and he gets a big gain, and the next play, the Browns score a touchdown. Then later in the game, on the Browns' final touchdown, um, you have... You you have Rasheel Douglas screaming, raving his hands, trying to get somebody on the defense's attention attention to come out, cover the slot guy, because the slot guy was uncovered. Savage is a little late getting over there. It forces Douglas to have to kind of take a, 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 a false step towards um, the slot guy because he didn't know if uh, Savage was going to get there in time. And then by the time he turned around to try to cover his guy who caught the touchdown, um, I want to say that was Schwartz. Might have been Harrison Bryant. But either way, um, his guy got open and made the uh, – made the. So it was, yeah, it was uh, Anthony Schwartz. His guy got open and made the touchdown catch. And it was miscommunication because nobody was covering the slot. So that's where Douglas's attention is. And – we give up touchdown in the red zone, which was a problem earlier in the year. So little things like that can really tear down a defense. Communication has not been an issue. Past two weeks, we've seen it be an issue. Edge play has not been an issue. The last two weeks, we've seen it an issue. Tackling has not been an issue. The last several weeks, it has been an issue. Giving up the big play hasn't been an issue all year. Now, all of a sudden, they're giving up big plays. You had a 27-yard run by Chubb. You had a 30-yard run by Johnson. Um, You had a 40-yard catch by Chubb. You had a 24-yard catch by Jarvis Landry. You had a 16-yard catch by Higgins that set up a touchdown. You had an 11-yard catch by Hooper. You know, these are drive-continuing, game-breaking plays that you hadn't given up most of the year. You're giving it up at the wrong time. You're giving it up. At the wrong time of the season, at the wrong time. You got to shore that up. And then offensively, not a lot offensively I dislike today. I, I wish I, I would have liked to see Dylan get more than nine carries. Um, especially late in the game. You had a third and one, for example, and you run a pitch play to uh to uh to uh to Aaron Jones on third and one or third and two. Give it to Dylan up the middle, who typically gets about two yards easily before carrying guys for extra. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. Give him the ball there. And second down, why not throw the ball? You know, you have second and two. uh, I mean, third and two. You You can throw the ball in that situation, too. Some play calling. Not a big fan of some situational play calling the Packers have done past couple weeks. They've had a chance to finish opponents off. And you also had an un, two uncharacteristic drops by Devontae. Now, I know one of the passes, the throw, was a little ahead of Devontae. But Devontae still has to make that play. A better ball by Rodgers is an easy catch. Game over. I think that was a second down play. Or I think, no, it was a third down play. But I think, yeah, that's the one that set up the to make a 24-22. He needs Devontae makes that catch 99% of the time. Some reason he dropped it right there. But some of the play calling and play execution could be better. Um, you know, Packers aren't running the ball the best overall. They had some nice big gains here and there. Jones had a big gain of 27. Lazard had a 13-yard run on an end around. 
but they're struggling from time to time, sometimes up front to maintain uh, your run blocks. And that's not to be unexpected when you have your left tackle six foot seven, your right tackle six foot eight. Running game is about leverage and getting lower than the guy ahead of you. When you're that tall, it's hard to get lower than the guy ahead of you. So you got to rely on just getting hands on him and trying to push him away. Unfortunately, you get beat sometimes. Um, Rodgers, for the most part, had plenty of time to throw the football. Um, didn't get sacked once. Didn't look himself running the ball, obviously, because his toe got stepped on, I believe, twice in the game. Miles Garrett stepped on it once. You also had, uh, I think, uh, Newman, his own offensive lineman, uh, uh, stepped on it as well. So he wasn't as mobile as he normally is. He had one carry for negative one yard. I'm not sure why that wasn't counted as a sack. But but strong performance by Rodgers, 24 for 34, 202, three touchdowns, only 5.9 yards per attempt. Not really Aaron Rodgers-like. Normally, they'll push it downfield more. Um, didn't push it downfield too much. And, you know, maybe his toe was an issue, but you also lost uh, Josh Yash. Yash Nyman for a series um, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, um, where you ran that toss play to Jones. Your fourth string tackle was the only one that really had a nice block out there. Um, but maybe that contributed to the Packers' offensive game plan is Rodgers' foot in the second half. I don't know. The, the drive coming out of the locker room that they settled for the field goal on, it was a great drive. Short, quick um, passes, relied heavy on the run game. Get the ball out. Let your offensive playmakers make plays. Unfortunately, they just uh, couldn't make one final play. Had to settle for the field goal. But execution's concerning right now in some situational offenses, like your four-minute offense, where when you have a back like Dylan, you want to ride him to finish off a game. Didn't see him out there. <clears throat> um, typically, when you do, and. So, yeah. So, but Packers get the win. Um, good Christmas win. Either way, they're still the one seed in the in the NFC. Um, still, uh, still home field advantage running through Green Bay. We always have things we need to work on and clean up. And as stressful as it can be, that's what these games give you. It gives you things to 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 better look at to try to get cleaned up. And fortunately, they're playing Baker Mayfield today. No Baker Mayfield. So the Browns' first drive, pretty easy. Drive down and scores a touchdown. Easily. Dominated the line of scrimmage. Defense had no answer. They score a touchdown. Forced the Packers on their first drive to punt. Baker Mayfield decides to do a home run uh, effort ball. Intercepted by Savage. So 6 nothing. I'm sorry, they missed the extra point. So 6 nothing. Now. The Packers have the ball down 6 nothing at midfield. They go down and score. Now it's 7-6. Then it becomes 14-6 after another Baker Mayfield interception. Then it becomes 21-6 after yet another Baker Mayfield first half interception. And the Packers go in the locker room um, 21-12. Yeah, Packers go in the locker room 21-12. Packers scored all but three of their points off turnovers. Packers undefeated this year, and they won the turnover battle. I'm not 100% sure on re- what the record is, but I know their three, uh, their three losses this year are all games they did not win the turnover battle on. Um, 
can't depend on turnovers all the time. Um, when you're going up against a Tom Brady, who's very protective of, of the football, um, you're, you can't depend on uh, turnovers. And you're going to have to pro- possibly get past Tampa Bay in order to get to the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford, yeah, he'll throw you some effort balls. And Packers took advantage of that a few weeks back after Thanksgiving and their win against and their win against the uh their win against the Rams. Garoppolo doesn't really turn the ball over that often. Um but I'm gonna step aside. Um gonna let you guys go for those watching live. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. You can um, follow me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Packers get the victory. Nice win. A little more stressful than it needed to be overall. But they did get the victory. And, thankfully, Baker Mayfield is uh, not a very good quarterback. And you could tell he didn't practice all week as well in this game. So, with that said, hope you all have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas to all you uh, happy holidays, and uh, hope you all got um, the gifts you wanted this year. And uh, with that said, I'll get back to you later on this week. Have a good rest of your night, everybody.